Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Well, it's great to see you guys. Uh, I've been preaching on a, a series on the, on the third part here, uh, Faith Made Simple. One thing I've kind of learned over the years is that people like to overcomplicate faith. And it's really, it's really not that complicated. It's pretty simple. And um, as I just thought about, faith isn't complicated. It's as simple as taking a step toward Jesus. So I'm taking um, some, some keys of faith that, that my dad has talked about before. So the first week they talk about on how faith is decisive. Faith makes a decision. And uh, when, when you make a decision and you step out in faith, God backs you up, especially when he's leading you in that way. Don't, God doesn't honor stupid decisions that go against his word. But, but God, uh, when, when you read about faith people, they are very decisive people. They are kind of all or nothing type of people. And that's how faith is. So faith is decisive. Uh, last week we talked about um, believing, the believing side of faith and meditating on faith. And, uh, you know, the meditating on faith, it's not just like a very passive thing. It's a very active thing. Faith is very active. Even, even the word meditation. You know, I love, um, um, a lot of people know the first Psalm, Psalm 1. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. That word meditate, one, one time it's translated as roar. We talked about how you need to roar. When you think about God's word, you need to, it, it should create a, a roar within you in your soul, in your heart, in your meditations, in your beliefs, in your, what your, your thought life about the word, it should create a roar. And that one time, that word that's usually translated as meditate, it's the Hebrew word Hagah. One time, it's in Isaiah 31, verse 4. The word Hagah is clearly translated as roar. It says, as a lion roars and a young lion over his prey, when a multitude of shepherds is summoned against him, he will not be afraid of their voice, nor be disturbed by their noise. So this thing that that word Hagah, like with the word of God, with the law of God, with we, we need to, to be so engrossed with it, like a lion over its prey, like even when there's noise going on trying to scare you away, you aren't gonna let go of that thing. And I, I like the picture of a lion. You might not look like a lion. You, you might be a soft-spoken person. But as believers, we, should, we have the lion of the tribe of Judah in us, right? We're talking about let the lion roar, let the lion of the tribe of Judah roar. He's in you. He's roaring. Amen? You know, I, I have a, a Scottish terrier named Winston. He's a very sweet dog. Um, but, but he... He can go into roaring mode if he needs to. When I first got him, there was a, a German shepherd in my neighborhood that was not very well behaved, and, and this German shepherd kind of got up on its haunches and um, like started to try to come after us, and Winston just broke out of, out of his leash, out of his collar, took off after that thing, and just jumped on its back and bit its neck and wouldn't let go of the back of its neck, fortunately. It was the front of its neck that German shepherd might have been gone. But uh, anyways, that, um, the owner, she was, you know, she was concerned about her dog. And I, I'm, I'm like, well, you better watch out with your dog. You know, he started a fight, but my dog looks like he could finish this fight. So, but, you know, he, he would not let go. He, um, he knew how to roar. Amen. 
So as believers, we need to roar, especially concerning the word of God. We just are, are attached to that thing in how we believe and how we think and how we meditate. Amen. So tonight, um, I actually want to pick, off, uh, pick up a little bit from where I left off. I didn't get to finish all of my notes last week, but I was kind of talking about meditating on God's word. And um, I want to talk about just your imagination. A lot of times in the Bible, uh, when it talks about imaginations, it's, it's spoken of in a negative way. And uh, my, my father and I, we just uh, were preaching on our television show, Grace for Today. We were just filming this week, and we're going through the book of Romans, um, one chapter per show. And we're going through um, Romans 1.21. And it says something kind of interesting about um, imaginations. And God spoke to me from this verse. It's in Romans 1.21. So I'm talking about your thought life, about your soul, about your heart, what you're, what you're thinking, what you're believing, your imagination. Romans 1.21, it says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. And um, your imagination is a very powerful force. And the way you control your imagination is with your thankfulness. Right? It says they became, they were, neither were they thankful and they became vain in their imaginations. If you are unthankful, your, your imagination will work in a destructive, counterproductive way. And I thought about it in my own life. If you start, um, you know, being unthankful, just being unthankful, maybe, um, with, with, with your spouse, unthankful with your kids, unthankful with your job, unthankful with your house, you're going to start imagining problems that might not really be there. Your imagination is, going to, is actually going to make the situation worse. Does that make sense? If you're unthankful, if you're thankful, and if, that, if that's what, what's, what's going on in your heart, that's what you're meditating, you, you have this heart of thankfulness, your imagination is going to work the way God wants it to work. It's going to work in a productive way. Way. It's going to build, build your life. It's going to build that abundant life he has for you. Amen. It's going to help build his kingdom. But that starts with thankfulness. And thankfulness is really an attitude of faith. A positive imagination is an imagination of faith. Right? Glorify God and, and be a thankful person. Amen. And, and I, I really, I just have just kind of thought about my, my own life when I kind of get in a sour mood and I start being, becoming ungrateful for certain things. I start imagining problems that aren't really there and I start imagining solutions that probably wouldn't be the best solution. And, and um, thankfully I can hear from the voice of God and he, he'll tell me that's a terrible solution. You better start acting right and being thankful and fix your attitude before you get in trouble. And I, 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 uh, as, I, I as I've grown up, I've learned how to correct quickly. When God speaks to you, it's better to correct quickly than slowly. You don't want to kick against the pricks too long because those pricks will start to hurt. If you're kicking against the pricks, let them just be at the splinter level before there are spikes, you know, digging in to your life. Amen. It's a good word for someone. So always be thankful. Always be thankful. That's going to cause your imagination to work the way God wants it to work in a very creative and a productive way. And really, thanksgiving is the evidence of faith. Heather was talking to me just, just maybe last night, I think. She was kind of asking me. She, she asked me. Uh, she, she kind of stood up. She's like, do you want a, you know, a chicken and an egg kind of question? And I was a little tired, so I'm like, I don't know if I want to get too, like, philosophical tonight. I'm just ready for bed. And, and uh, 
But, but I'm like, all right, well, well, give me your question. She's like, what, what comes first, you know, hope or faith? And again, people, people like to, to preach different things. You know, I've heard lots of messages on hope and faith and how faith is greater than hope. You've got to have hope first before you get faith. But really, faith comes first, first and hope is just an evidence of, of faith that's working in your heart. There are certain um, things that are evidence that are manifestations of faith that's in your heart. Hope is one of those things, but thanksgiving is also an evidence of faith working in your heart. If, if you say, I, I, I have great faith, but you're very unthankful, I'm going to think, Maybe not so much, right? Thanksgiving is an evidence of faith. Colossians 2, you can turn there if you'd like, Colossians 2. Let's read here in verse 6 through 8, Colossians 2, 6 through 8. It says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith. So be established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So once you've been established in the faith, in the faith of Jesus, you're gonna abound in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. I like that it says, beware lest anyone cheat you. Don't let anyone cheat you out of being thankful. Some people are just constantly negative, constantly, and they, they want to, my ship's going down, so I want you to come down with me. But just get, get away from, from people who, you know, that's the way they run their ship, it's just by sinking it down and everyone in it's going down with me. And Now, um, don't, don't let anyone cheat you out of being thankful. Amen. Keep a grateful heart and... and, and um, and uh, from time to time, you're going to have to renew what's going on in you. I like what Ephesians 4, 23 says. It says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You know, we have to renew our mind. We have to renew the spirit of our mind and, um, and put on that new man, which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Amen. So I'm going to continue on with kind of the next um, part of this series, talking about the speaking side of faith. And this is something that I think people tend to overcomplicate. And it almost becomes like a rote, a traditional thing where you have to say this verse 100 times. You have to say this prayer 100 times. You gotta get your prayer beads out and say this 100 times for this thing to work. And um, I, I just had this kind of, as I was kind of just meditating, thinking about this message, um, God, God just showed me something really cool about, about just how, how simple this really is, how simple the speaking aspect of faith really is. And this, this part gets complicated a lot. So um, just the other day, um, um, Fisher's been hanging out with a kid in the neighborhood. This kid's just um, here for the summer visiting family. And um, um, Fisher, you know, good friends with him. But this kid has, has um, two electric scooters, like a Razor scooter, but it's electric powered. So um, his friend lets him borrow his scooter, but um, Fisher always has to take the slower one. Because this kid's like, I'm, I'm going to beat you when we race, and, and I get the faster one, and you just get this little slow one. And you know, that doesn't have quite as much juice as the other one. So I just decided to, to order Fisher an electric scooter. They're a lot cheaper than I thought they'd be. And I'm like, sure, let's just get one for him. You know, this kid's moving away here a little bit. And he won't have his electric scooter. So I just ordered one. We were going to keep, keep it a, a secret, but then we just told him. And he was super excited about it. And, and, and uh, Fisher, when he gets really excited about it, he doesn't always know, like, 
just to keep some things to yourself. But he was like telling, I thought he would tell this one kid, well, I got an electric scooter and I'll wait till this thing comes here because I'm gonna be faster than you. And I was kind of expecting that, but now he's been like telling every single kid at church and like, I got, my dad bought me an electric scooter. My dad bought me an electric scooter. I just thought, thought, like, Fisher isn't like, he's not being told or being forced to say, my dad bought me an electric scooter. My dad did this for me. My dad did this for me. My dad did this for me. No, he, he has faith in his heart, right? He, he's, he's hopeful. He's thankful. He's grateful. He has joy. He, he really believes what I told him. And because he's believed it, because he has faith for it, he has faith in the word that I told him, He's excited, he, he's thankful, he, he's grateful, he's, he's joyful, he, he's hoping, looking forward to this thing, and he's also telling everyone about it. And that, that's just a natural expression of faith. He's not going around, you know, just like saying, I have a scooter, I have a scooter, I have a scooter, I have a scooter. You know, just like, does that make sense? It's, it's just really just out of that faith in his heart, out of that hope, out of that joy, he, he just like can't help but tell everyone he knows about it. And um, that, that's really just, just, a, a, just a simple picture of, of the expression of faith in terms of, of speaking. And I, I like what Jesus said in Luke 6, 45. He just said, out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. That's about as plain... The, just the, the mouth speaks out of the abundance of the heart. The, the, the speaking doesn't make your heart do anything. Does that make sense? It's out of the heart is where the mouth speaks. I want to look at this. Go ahead and turn to Romans 10. Romans 10. Many of you have heard uh, these verses, but I want to go into them a little bit here. Romans 10, we'll start in verse 6. And then this is kind of my, my first point tonight. It's just um, speaking your faith is really a very simple thing. You don't have to overcomplicate it. It is a simple thing. And it comes from the abundance of your heart. It's a simple thing, expressing your faith with words. Romans 10, verse 6 through 10, it says, But the righteousness of faith speaks. I like that. The righteousness of faith speaks. Now, when you're having faith in something positive, you, you want to talk about it. If you're, if you're having faith in something that's very negative, you don't always want to talk about it. If, you, if you're ex, you know, expecting something very negative to happen, you might not always talk about it. You might not want to tell everything tell if you're expecting something. Yet. But if, if, you, if your faith is in Jesus, if your faith is in the gospel, which is in the good news, if your faith is in getting a brand new electric scooter that's going to beat your friend, it's going to speak. Righteous faith speaks, the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not see in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, it's in your mouth and in your heart. This is just saying faith is a very simple thing. You don't have to, to, to climb the highest mountain or go to the deepest part of the sea to figure out what's gonna to happen to know what God's word is, to know what God's will is. God, a lot of people say, well, God is just so mysterious and, and uh, if it be thy will. This is, this is kind of speaking against that type of philosophy. It's saying faith is a simple thing. The righteousness of faith, it speaks and it's a very simple thing. It's not saying, well, I can't figure it out. 
You know, I've never been to heaven. I've never been to the deepest part of the sea. I, you know, it's gonna take me. Faith, faith is a very simple thing. And, and really the word that we, we, the word of faith, it's a very simple thing. And it says, this is the word of faith which we preach. Verse nine, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So again, believing and speaking go hand in hand. And just saying something, just getting someone to say a prayer doesn't, it has to come from the heart. God is always after the heart, amen? So, so the speaking side of faith is a very simple thing. As I was kind of studying out the speaking side of faith, I thought about Jesus. And I, I, was, I was studying out, let's go ahead and turn here to 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4, starting in verse 7. Now here there's a famous um, passage of scripture that talks about having the same spirit of faith. Who do we have the same spirit of faith as? Having then the same spirit of faith. Let's read about it here in 2 Corinthians 4. We'll start in verse 7. It says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side yet not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So his life is gonna be manifest. It's gonna be evident in our bodies, in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us but life in you. Verse 13, and since we have the same spirit of faith, I believe he's talking about Jesus Christ, the same spirit of faith that Jesus had, we have as believers. So the moment you believe on Jesus, the moment that the Holy Spirit convinced you that Jesus is Lord, you believe on it, you confess it with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you are given the spirit of Christ in you. Part of the spirit of Christ is that you have his faith. You have the spirit of faith in you. According to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Again, that's like Romans 1, 21, but in reverse here. He's saying we're gonna have thanksgiving and it's gonna abound to the glory of God. We're gonna glorify God, we're gonna be thankful, and we're gonna have fruitful, productive, creative imaginations. And the words that we speak, I certainly hope they are words of life. They are words of faith. And what would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? We'll get to the do part next week, the, the doing part of faith. But think about it, what would Jesus say? Jesus, Jesus, um, man, look at his spirit of faith. 
I love, I love that we've had, we have a lot of great faith teaching here in this church. We had a lot of, we've had a lot of great faith preachers come through our doors. I love Mark Hankins. He, I've heard him preach on the spirit of faith many times. If he doesn't preach on the spirit of faith, I'm, I'm like a little surprised sometimes. Because he really gets, but I'm thinking about the spirit of faith that's in Jesus Christ. That spirit, that spirit of faith in Jesus caused him to speak a certain way in certain situations. And I like, I like this patch of scripture in, in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 15. He talks about like, you might have some bad stuff going on around you. But there's something stronger on the inside of you. You have the spirit of faith on the inside of you. That is why you are not being crushed. Because, because resurrection power is on the inside of you. And Jesus, went, when he was dealing with situations... He spoke out of that spirit of faith. He spoke to demons. He spoke to sicknesses. He spoke to storms, to death. He spoke healing. He spoke life. He spoke peace. And he, he actually taught, Jesus taught a lot about faith and about the speaking part of faith. He taught about the power of faith and the power of faith words. Faith words as well. Let's look at Mark 11, 22 through 24. Mark 11, 22 through 24. Mark 11, 22, it says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. I love that. Have faith in God, for surely I say to you. So that word there, I say to you, it's the word lego. So the word Lego, it means I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna lay something down for you. I'm gonna set a framework here for you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach you something systematically. Thus, this begins my discourse. Lego, I'm gonna, I'm gonna build something here with my words. Lego is talking about like a, a big picture thing I'm gonna say with my words. Lego, whoever says to this mountain, that word says there, says to the mountain, that's a different word there. Whoever says to this mountain, it's the word ipon. E-I-P-O-N, Greek word ipon, it means to say, to command, to speak, and to tell. He's saying, when you talk to that mountain, it, you, you command that mountain. I say to you, whoever commands this mountain, it's not just, uh, not just words, it, it's commanding this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, I lay go to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. He's saying that there is a, a commanding aspect of your faith words. And the, this is going to be the last part of my message. I want to talk about the commanding aspect of faith. Faith words are commanding words. You know, the enemy, the devil is fine with the type of faith that, that does not speak, that is easily silenced, that is weak, that's beggarly, that's inoffensive, that's non-authoritative, that seeks to coexist. The devil is completely fine with that type of faith. But when faith takes an expression 
When, when this speech of faith takes an expression that is commanding, that is authoritative, that declares, that draws a line in the sand, that is black and white, that won't back down, every mountain in Colorado better watch out. I love, I love this verse in Isaiah 45, verse 11. You can turn there if you'd like. And if you have a bad translation, Isaiah 45, verse 11 will end with a question mark. If you have a good translation, it will end with a period. So in the original Hebrew, there aren't periods or there aren't question marks. There are not punctuation marks. So some people, when they translated the, the, the original Hebrew, this was so, this, this verse was so commanding, so authoritative, so crazy. They thought it couldn't be a period. This has to be a question mark. So if you have a bad translation, it'll have a question mark. Someone translated your Bible that, that, that couldn't believe it, that really didn't get faith. Isaiah 45, verse 11, thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and his maker. I like that it says, thus says the Lord. It doesn't say, thus asks the Lord. It says, thus says the Lord, ask me of things, of things to, to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands. You command me, period. Weak translations say, you command me? Kind of like, how dare you command me? You think you can command me? He said, command ye me. And as I, as I look at people of faith in the Bible, there are examples of people who have faith that commands. Faith that, that doesn't say, well, shall I go up into heaven that I might bring Christ down? Or shall I go into the abyss and bring, bring the prophets up from the grave? That is not faith. The word of faith is near you. The word is near you. God's word, God's will, God's ways, God's promises are near you. I want to give you a couple examples of faith that commands. People who, who would translate Isaiah 45 verse 11 with a period, not with a question mark. One of them is the woman with the issue of blood. She did not approach Jesus with a question mark. She approached Jesus with a period. Hallelujah. She wasn't going to ask for permission. Hallelujah. She was going to shoot first and ask questions later. That's right. Woo! <laughs> faith, faith has this attitude. It's better to ask for forgiveness than to ask for Yay! permission. Faith is decisive, faith believes, and faith speaks with periods and exclamation marks. Faith does not speak with question marks. Hallelujah. Right. Mark 5, 27 and 28. This is good preaching. This is good teaching. Mark 5, 27 and 28. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, she said, she said, if I only may just touch his clothes, I shall be made well, period. She said, she didn't ask, 
She said, two things are required for a faith that commands. Two things. You can write these things down. Two things for a faith that commands. Number one, know that he is able. Number two, know that he is willing. This woman, I know that she knew that he was able because she heard about him and she sought him out. She knew that he is able. Did she know that he was willing? She didn't even care. She probably knew that he was willing because she knew a lot of people got healed, so this guy must be willing that people get healed. Two things that require a commanding faith, knowing that he is able, and number two, knowing that he is willing. The woman with the issue of blood is a great example of a faith that commands. I'm gonna talk about her more next week in terms of acting on faith. The action side of faith is often very simple. This woman had an issue of blood with, for 12 years. It said she spent all she had, she went to every doctor. How did she act on her faith? She, she, her, her action was just touching the hem of his garment. It wasn't throwing away every medication. It wasn't saying doctors are of the devil. Some people think that that's what action faith means in terms of healing. Faith, faith is active. But for her, it was, it was taking one step closer to Jesus. Can God heal without medicine? Yes. Can God heal with medicine? Yes. God wants you to be well. Amen? People like to overcomplicate it. They want to overcomplicate it. But it's so simple. Just make a decision, believe it, speak it, do it. And the doing side, again, it's very simple. Sometimes people come into me for pastoral counseling, and I often just give them one to three things to do, simple, simple things to do. Simple things to do. Now, a woman was a new believer. She, she, um, she actually got born again on a Sunday morning when I preached. I preached a, a very evangelistic type message on the thief on the cross. And, and she, she was one of those people who, who raised her hands, stood up, received Jesus Christ. She had been to her church for a few weeks before, but that day decided to to make a commitment to, to, to follow Jesus. And um, a couple weeks later, she, she, she just contacted the church wanting to have a, a you know, counseling, pastoral meeting with me. And I met with her and she just said, since, you know, before I stood up and, and made that confession and committed my life to Jesus, I, I really felt God's presence. I really felt butterflies when I came to church. But since I made that commitment, I, I just feel oppression now, I feel, dis- I, I feel anxiety, I feel, and I just asked her, well, um, so, someone who's brand new to church, I said, well, what, what do you like to listen to? Well, I like to listen to death metal music, and, and um, I said, well, now, now the spirit of Christ is in you, so that, that's gonna not always go along with everything that you thought was normal before. 
So I gave her, I gave her three things to do. First thing is don't listen to death metal music. I said, listen to Maverick City. Listen to, you know, stuff like that we do here at church. I I like Maverick City at the time. Listen to them. They're a lot of fun. It's good music. Listen listen to that for a week. Number two, this woman, um, I think she had six kids. Her husband was gone all the time. Working, working. He's gone working. He's a a truck driver. Um, And she had six kids. And she, I think she lived with her, her father at the time who liked a quiet house, a quiet, clean house. I said, just in the natural, you're, you're, you're kind of surrounded on every side here. Just practically speaking, I said, what you need to do before, before you even get out of bed, take your phone every morning when you wake up, before you even get out of bed and go, go to the battle of raising six kids. So take your phone and, and just read one chapter from the Bible before you even get out of bed. Before before you turn on Facebook, Instagram, whatever, Bible app, one chapter. So do that. Number three, she dealt with a lot of anxiety, a lot of of fears. Um, She'd been through a lot of hardship in the past. I I wrote down the scripture for her. For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love, of power, and a sound mind. I wrote that on a card, and I said, just keep that on, on you at all times. Whenever you feel like you're oppressed, like you're, you're already to be overtaken with anxiety, with panic, with fear, just take that out and say it out loud. Say it out loud. There's something that happens when you say it out loud. God didn't just think the universe into existence. He didn't just think about light and there was light. No, he said, let there be light. And there was light. There's something powerful when you say it. And it also does something powerful in, in, your, in your soul, in your mind when you say it. I kind of I learned this um, several years ago. I, I was um, home for a couple weeks on summer break, and I was hanging out with my best friend. He was home on summer break as well. His older sister was home at his house as well. She had just um, finished uh, law school at, at Penn Law. She was a, a, just, I remember her in high school. She was a couple years older than us, and she was, valedictorian of her class. She got a perfect SAT score, um, went, went to college, graduated college in two and a half years, went to Ivy League law school on a full scholarship. Usually they don't give scholarships for law school, but somehow she went on a full scholarship because she scored, like, she was the top score on the LSAT test to go into law school. She was in the top one percentile. And um, um, this is right after she was finishing law school. She had a, a job offer at one of the top law firms in New York City, and, and she just... They wanted her to like, she just got the job offer and she had to take the bar like within two weeks or something crazy. And, and I saw like this stack of stuff she had to memorize for her exam in two weeks. And when she was studying, I thought it was kind of odd. She, she was muttering, she was saying everything out loud that she was reading. Everything that she was reading, try, trying to digest like 2,000 pages of stuff in two weeks. She was saying it all out loud. She was looking at it with her eyes and saying it out loud. I just asked, why are you doing it that way? And she said, when you, when you look at it and you say it, your, your brain is digesting it twice as much because you're getting it with your optic nerve 
into this part of your brain and you're getting it with your auditory nerve in this part of your brain. Abraham Lincoln read the King James Bible out loud, out loud, every morning, first thing in the morning. He would read it out loud. You need to say certain things out loud. Sometimes you're going to have to roar out loud. There are going to be certain times where where God tells you, you need to roar out loud. And thankfully, you're at a church where you can roar, you can shout, you can dance, you can... This is a roaring kind of church, so... We're inclusive of quiet people, but really, this is a roaring church. The woman with the issue of blood, a faith that commands. I want to look at Joshua now. Let's go to Joshua 10. I want to give you one other example of a faith that commands. Joshua 10. We'll start in verse 7. We talked about Joshua last week on um, believing, the believing part of faith, on meditating, how uh, when he fought his first battle against the Amalekites that God told Moses, God, uh, Moses built an altar there and called it Jehovah Nisi, Yahweh Nisi, the Lord our victory, the Lord our banner. And God said, write this as a memorial, as a remembrance for Joshua. Write it down. So he, God was telling Moses, Joshua is going to have to fight several battles, and every time he fights a battle, he needs to rehearse this. He needs to remember this very first battle that we fought. When when Joshua is sharpening his sword, he needs to remember that it's not just his sword, but it's the sword of the Lord. As he's training his army, these aren't just men, but these are men of God. When When you are preparing for battle, don't, don't, Remember that Jehovah Nisi is with you, that the power of God is with you, that he's your banner, he's your flag, he's your victory, amen? You need to rehearse the victory. It's not just how, how you rehearse is really important. I always love, you know, on the music team, I always love a good rehearsal before church. If we have a bad rehearsal, I get nervous. Because if you, if you rehearse in a bad way, the real thing might go bad. It's not just how you practice, it's not just practicing, but it's how you practice. Right? I, I'd ask my students, I used to teach lots of flute lessons. I had like 40 students at one point in time. I asked them, how do you practice? Well, I practice while watching SpongeBob. Just watch SpongeBob. You know, watch Sponge and just, just mute it on the commercials and just practice on the commercials and think about what you're doing on the commercials. That'll be more productive than just being brain dead. So I told this joke. I'm going to tell it again because I didn't tell it very good. But there, there's a funny joke about a guy who's lost in New York City. And, um, you know, he's a musician. He's trying to get to Carnegie Hall for... for his big concert, 
And he sees another musician walking down the street. This musician's carrying, you know, his violin case. And he approaches this, you know, musician, this young boy, and said, hey, I'm lost. I need directions. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? And the boy said, well, you got to practice, practice, practice. That was his directions for... And, uh, and as believers, you, you, you need to rehearse a little bit. You know, God spoke to me and said, hey, you need to start rehearsing. You need to start imagining that you're raising people from the dead. God spoke that to me. If you never even imagined it, thought about it, dreamed about it, prayed about it, when, when the real Super Bowl shows up, you better hope you've had some practice going in, into that, that game, Amen. Faith that commands. <clears throat> Joshua 10, verse 7. So I believe that Joshua, he understood that he had to make a decision to follow God. He says this later, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua, Joshua drew a line in the sand when people were getting off doing screwy things. When the culture was drifting away, he, he drew a line in the sand. Faith draws a line in the sand. It is black and white. You guys, if you want to do stupid things, you're welcome to. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There, there are going to be scurry things in the days ahead. Why? Because Jesus said, when he comes back, there are going to be scurry things going on. He said, when I come, you know, his disciples asked him, what's it going to be like? And he says, as the days of Noah. There, there were some screwy things going on in the days of Noah, but what did Noah do? He made a decision. He believed. He spoke. He acted. He, he built an ark for, for, for the saving of him and his family. What am I doing right now? I'm building an ark. I'm building an ark with Heather, with Fisher, with Ada, with, with people who come here on a Wednesday night. I, I'm, I'm building an ark of salvation, of faith, of hope, of truth. Amen? All right, Joshua 10, verse 7. It says, so Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. So here, there are several kings. It said the king of Jerusalem. This is before David had conquered Jerusalem later. Um, Jerusalem um, you know, was a Jebusite city, so the king of Jerusalem. So there's a king of Hebron. Um, Hebron is the, the second most holy place in, in all of Israel after Jerusalem. Hebron is where Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are all buried. So these, these enemy kings um, were all coming out against um, Joshua. In verse 8, the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Not a, this is God's word. I like this word. It's not just... You know, I've delivered them into your hand. You're going to beat them pretty good. No, it says not a single person from those enemy army, not a single one is, is going to stand. Joshua took that word very seriously. 
That means when, when he's going out to battle, he's not gonna be afraid and he's gonna fight until they're all wiped out because that is the word of the Lord. You know, faith, faith does not just stop halfway. Joshua could have stopped halfway, but he knew what the word of the Lord said. He, he's gonna keep fighting. Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly having marched all night from Gilgal. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the roads that goes to Beth Horon and struck them down as far as Azekah and Machedah. And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Horon that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Azekah and they died. Talk about a bad day. When Joshua and these, you know, men of God, men of valor are coming after you, not only that, like, God decided to pitch in and just drop giant, you know, softball-sized hail on them. Said, and they died. There were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword, but there were still a few standing. There are still a few running away. So Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, sun stand still. He knew that God said there is not going to be a single man standing. He knew that, that this day was not over. God was not done with this situation yet. We, we've killed a few. God, God has knocked down a few with his hailstones, but there's still a few out there. This day is not over. Sun, stand still. Faith that commands. He knew that God was able, and he knew that God was willing. God said, I, he saw that God was willing. God was chucking down softballs from heaven. Bowling balls from heaven, probably. It's one of those things I'm going to ask God about when I get to heaven. Can I see? I want to see. That this is pretty wild stuff. You know, giant hail. How, how big were they? Were they softball size? You know, bowling ball, like boulders. I want to see how big were they. I want to know in, in pounds. I want to know in inches, not, not kilograms and meters. I, you know. He knew that God was willing and he, he knew that God was able. He took the word of the Lord that seriously. Son, stand, he and, and again, he didn't, there's no question mark there. I don't even know if he asked God, hey God, I don't know how this is gonna screw with like, you know, the calendar system and, and how people, you know, look at the universe years from now and, are they going to be able to calculate that there's like six hours missing, you know, from our timeline? Faith doesn't have to figure everything out. Sometimes faith people, you know, you, you overthink things. I don't think Joshua like did all this, you know, I got to, I got to find God through the sciences and see, is, is this even possible? Is it, is it even possible that the Red Sea can, you know, faith doesn't worry about how it's going to happen. It knows that God is going to make it happen and just believing in him, trusting in him, doing it, that's enough. Yay. Son, stand still. 
Or Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies, till they had complete and total revenge. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord heeded the voice. The Lord heeded the voice of a man. For the Lord fought for Israel. I love that. The Lord heeded the voice. If Joshua were to translate the prophet Isaiah, 45 verse 11, he would not leave it with a question mark. Joshua would put a period at the end of that verse. If the woman of the issue of blood were to translate from the original Hebrew, Isaiah 45 verse 11, she would not leave a question mark. She would put a period there. Why? Because faith, true faith in God, knows that he is able and that he is willing. So when you step out in faith, faith takes a command. That's good. So in conclusion, it's a good time to conclude. I had a couple little points, but I like that. You know, doubts have a question mark. Doubts say, well, what if? Is this? Doubts are, end with a question mark. Faith ends with a period. And the expression of faith, that commanding faith that comes out of your heart, what you're thinking about. So think about God's goodness. Think about who he is. Think about him in all of his glory. Be thankful for him. When I think of his goodness and what he's done for me, when I think of his goodness and how he set me free, it makes me want to shout, 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 dance, 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 roar, 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 and speak, speak, speak all the time. Always speak words of faith. Our, our faith should be talking all the time. So shut your doubts up. And give your faith a megaphone. Exclamation slash dot. Amen? Doubts end with a question mark. Faith ends with a period. Give your faith a period. The, the, the question marks, you can just shut them up. Amen. Awesome. All right. Well, my awesome. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.